Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm MCL Garcia. And we are excited to be back here talking with you here in the diner. We are tabling our Sci-Fi Diner Guardian Review till next week. We said we were going to do it this week, but uh, M, you're, you're, my understanding is you're in the car somewhere in Timbuktu. I am in the car on my way back from Baltimore to Washington, D.C. Yeah, so she sounds a bit funky. Uh, that's why. And uh, we're trying to keep the audio as clean as we can and yet still have her be a part of what we're doing here tonight. So why don't we start off with one of the ways we typically start off the show is just to find out what's going on in our individual sci-fi universes. And uh, uh, that's right, multiple universes happening here. So, Miles, why don't you go ahead and talk about what's going on in your universes? Yeah, sure. Um, Not that long ago, Legends of Tomorrow wrapped up. Uh, So I... I'm continuing to enjoy that show. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wrapped up. I think they had a really good season. Uh, Flash and Arrow are, are still going on. I'm uh, Supergirl. Uh, I am uh, reading some Star I just finished reading a few Star Trek novels. The Mirage by David George, which is a, which is a Deep Space Nine novel. Uh, Control, which is a Section 31 novel by David Mack. Uh, in a week, I'm looking forward to Hearts and Minds by uh, Dayton Ward. And uh, in the IDW Star Trek comics, um the Mirror Universe uh, comics came out. I read uh, a, a couple of those that came out, and uh, there's Stargate Universe is going to be putting out comics, and uh, first one is probably going to be out available uh, by the end of the month. I was just going to say, hey, I didn't realize they were putting out Stargate Universe comics, and here you're saying the first one's coming out, so I guess that's why they haven't been. So, well, that's very cool. So I'm up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so Arrow and Flash. Uh, how is Arrow doing right now? I, I mean, I kind of heard people that were saying, ah, it's kind of lost its steam. How did you personally feel about the way Arrow's, uh, is it still delivering the punch it did? Is it a show that should be retired? What are your thoughts here? It's still good. I don't think it's quite as good as it used to be, um, but it's, it's it's still doing pretty good. I, I, I'm still entertained by watching it. it. You know, it's still part of the, you know, the, the DC universe and the, at least in the CW shows. So um, there's, there's crossover, you know, with, with Arrow, with, with Flash and Legends and Supergirl. So it, it was renewed for another season. So I guess there's still plenty of fans that uh, are still, still liking it. Oh, good. Good. Now, M, have you been watching, have you been watching the Flash Arrow or anything like that? Yeah, I've been keeping up to date with the DC. Um, I'm like a week behind on the DC television universe. Um, and it's it's still super cute. Um, I feel like Arrow has been having story problems since two seasons ago. I, I really feel like it, it just kind of has lost its, lost its legs and it's just trying desperately. And I feel bad. I am a monster, and I like to kill people, and I kill people because I like it, and it just got a little much. Uh, um, but for continuity's sake, because they do do the crossovers, I said doo-doo. Um, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I keep watching it. It's kind of like um, the Marvel TV Universe on, on Netflix with uh, Iron Fist. I, I am, it is painful to watch that show. 
and I don't understand how that's a Marvel show. I don't understand how that's a Netflix Marvel show. Um, it, it just seems really forced and sad and I'm super disappointed. I just I want more for them. And I, my only hope is that the team up coming up is going to be really good. Um, now, um, are you a? Do you consider yourself like if, if Marvel? If there's like a Marvel show on Netflix, for example, are you a completionist? Even though you're like, eh, not the greatest, you're gonna finish watching it anyways. Yes, because okay. because the 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 creators and the the, the creatives behind Mar the Marvel the Marvel Television Universe, they've gone through a lot of trouble to keep a common universe with mild crossovers and now they're going to come out with the big team up and it's impressive that they've put that kind of work into it but it's I, I feel like Iron Fist was just cast wrong and written wrong uh, I, it, it doesn't feel like the comic book I tried to cram the comic book in before the show came out and I didn't pay attention to the casting I just wanted to see what, what Netflix was going to come up with and yeah. so is there is there anything as you look at it is there anything for you, that you would see as being kind of redemptive of Iron Fist? Uh only that it I wouldn't call it redemptive. Um I find it necessary. Okay. All right. I just find it, in order in order to be able to really understand the full arc of the universe as it is and then what they're going to do with the team up, you need to understand where Danny comes from. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, in, in my sci-fi world, what I've been doing is I, I watch Rogue One again um, because it's just awesome <laughs> and I can't help it. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. it, it, it partly, uh, partly because I am reading, I, I read the book Rebel Rising by Beth Davis. It's a Star Wars novel that basically fills the gap from when Jin was picked up by Saul Guerrera and uh, and then um, and then imprisoned and then rescued. And so that time period in Rogue One that they don't really develop, this is the story of that. Oh, um, cool. And it was an excellent novelization. It made me want to go back and watch movie again, which I did. Um, so I watched that again. Um, I watched a, these are two anime movies, both dealing with time, one dealing with time travel and both of them dealing with kind of parallel universes. Um, the Girl Who Leapt Through Time and then The Boy and the Beast, uh, both of them excellent. Actually, I'm partway through Girl Who Leapt Through Time, but it's excellent so far, I should say. Uh, and then in my school, we're winding down the school year, right? Uh, excited about that, totally. But uh, in my class, we watched the first two episodes of Timeless. And so I oh, watched, yeah, I watched him again. Um, was very happy to see that Timeless got renewed. So, oh, me too. And uh, when I showed the episode, I, I developed some converts or kids who went home and said, I watched the entire season Comcast on demand. So, they're the reason it got renewed. <laughs> Maybe not, but <laughs> still. Um, and then, other than that, um, I read another Star Wars novel, Thrawn by Timothy Zahn, who we interviewed on the show. Um, and, uh, and so Thrawn is a totally new story of Thrawn. He wrote Thrawn novels before in the alternate universe of Star Wars, but this novel was excellent. Can't praise it enough. Definitely worth the read. And then I reread 
The Martian for the sixth time because, I mean, after all, it's The Martian by Andy Weir. And there's just nothing I can do. I mean, he's great. And he has a new novel coming out. I'm excited about that. Um, and, um, and that one takes place on the moon instead of Mars. And so totally excited about it. Totally loved rereading that book. So uh, that's kind of what's going on in my sci-fi world. So a lot of exciting stuff there. Um, and how about you? What's going on in your sci-fi world? So I have recently become really in love with uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, I was really impressed with uh, American Gods, and I was, I, I don't know why it took me so long to, to read his books. He's amazing. Um, I just finished Neverworld, and now I'm trying to figure out what to read next. So I'm a little Neil Gaiman obsessed at the moment. Um, <laughs> Uh, catching up on The Expanse. Um, I still have a couple episodes behind on that one. Um, I just, I've been like preparing myself to not be excited about Wonder Woman because I'm worried. But I have my tickets purchased and I'm ready to go. I'm going to watch it on June 2nd on opening day. Um, there's a theater right by the office, so that's made me very happy that I can just grab a ticket and walk over and see it. You mean like um, lunch break? Outside of that, I just finished rewatching all of Battlestar Galactica, and the last season still is a giant question mark to me. Um, and also finished watching Caprica again. I totally understand why that was canceled. And yeah. it's, it's kind of minimal at the moment because of, because of my current obsession with Neil Gaiman. Right, right. Well, you know... Uh, um, Battlestar Galactica, that, that last season's always questionable for fans. I personally enjoyed it, but um, I know a lot of people had questions, especially about the finale. But, but I will tell you this. We are getting awfully close to the finale there where they talk about robots coming in and infiltrating our society again. I just look at what's happening with all the robotic tech and what's going on in the news with robots and... Yeah, Battlestar Galactica is not that far off. That and I've been watching uh, Handmaiden's Tale. Ooh, is, did you like it? Or do you like it? I, I, it's, it's amazing, but it frightens me every day as I live in Washington, D.C. That, that, could, that could, there are people who actually think that way, and a lot of them are sitting in Congress right now, and it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. Um, um, Elizabeth Moss is phenomenal, phenomenal as the main character, and I can't get enough of that show. Oh, very good. I, you know, I had a, a fellow teacher of mine says you got to read this book, and I read the description of it. I'm kind of like, eh, I might read it. I do need to read the book, but the novelization apparently is incredible too. Read the book. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Em, I will. I will read the book. Everybody needs to read that book. Sounds good. Well, let's move into some news here tonight. Uh, Miles, do you want to talk just a little bit about this news? You don't need to necessarily read the, the whole article, but just tell us a little bit about, uh, I believe this happened today or yesterday. Yeah, this was, um, I believe it was yesterday. So we lost Roger Moore. Um, he was the, the second uh, James Bond, I believe. Um, but uh, he, he's, uh, he was 89 when he passed away. And um, he probably did more James Bond movies than the other James Bond uh, actors did. Um, 
I, I enjoyed a bunch of them. They, they probably can't be by today's standards, but uh, they're a lot of fun. Um, Moonraker was one, one of my favorite. Um, it, it involved, you know, space shuttles, space station. Um, some of you may remember the character Jaws um, in that, but uh, but but you know, James Bond is still. It's still a franchise. We might get more James Bond movies, and uh, we can't ignore uh, Roger Moore's contribution uh, to the James Bond franchise. No, absolutely. I think my first my first James Bond was Pierce Brosnan. Okay. I think he was he he was James Bond, right? I'm not getting the right the wrong oh, actor. Oh, yeah. you're so, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he was my first James Bond, and then. Uh, and then they would show him like in TNT, they would have these James Bonds marathon. I catch up on all the older ones when I was watching in TNT. So, but, well, that's sad, but uh, inevitable, I guess, when you're 89 and battling cancer. And uh, our thoughts are obviously with his family. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. 73 to 85, he, he did all these James Bond movies. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a huge body of work. That is a huge body of work. Emma, do, have you, are you much of a Bond fan? Oh, yeah. Um, Roger Moore was my first, he was my first James Bond. Um, and then I remember watching Sean Connery on television. And then it was, uh, all the others came along as well. But um, uh, the, the, it was the other guy, they call him Silver Fox now. Um, he was another, was another Roger? I, I, I had, I actually, until you just said it, I didn't realize it. Roger Moore had passed away. He was he was my dad's favorite um, Bond as well. I just said he's the one I clicked. I, I the movies are campy, but in a very charming kind of way. So I a little bit ex- excuse the misogyny of that era, but not really. But it's still great. They're still great movies. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move on. So we had uh, some other news that came out. We just got done with, I believe, our sixth uh, and last Resident Evil movie. Um, And uh, word has it that they're rebooting the franchise already. Now with an all-new cast, this time with James Wan at at the helm of the reboot, who will be replacing Paul Anderson as a creative force behind the franchise. Um, If you don't know the name, he's the guy behind Aquaman, Saw, and The Conjuring. So a lot of horror behind him. Um, and he's working on a script written by Greg Russo from the upcoming Mortal Kombat reboot. And uh, it's going to be entirely a new cast. My question to both of you is, does the Resident Evil, is there enough staying power with the Resident Evil franchise that makes it worth rebooting, number one? And if they're going to reboot it, how are they going to make it different from the original Resident Evil movies? No need. Bye, Bobby. Move on. Okay, so your your vote is no go. Uh, Miles, I'm, how about you? I'm, I'm bored by the concept. Uh, okay. Did you were you a fan of the original franchise, Em? The first two films are pretty good, but then it just it this is the this is a franchise that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friends. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I, I'm personally a Resident Evil movie comes out, I watch it. It's one of my. Um, Guilty pleasure, I guess you'll say. Um, nothing like a you know, a you know a chick kicking butt and taking names with zombies, right? And taking down the man. 
uh, which is always kind of cool in those movies. Uh, Miles, how about you? Uh, what do you think of this? Do, do we need to reboot the franchise? Is this important? Um, I never watched any of them, so they're kind of off, not my radar. I, I guess, you know, I don't know what kind of fan base Resident Evil has as far as the movies go. If, uh, well, you know, I, if there's... There's some money to be made, and I, I suppose so. But well, the movies um, over the, their lives have have made 1.2 billion dollars. So apparently, there's money uh, in there's money in the franchise. I mean, they aren't making they aren't making tons of money each movie, but they're making enough for it to keep going. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, so uh, we're kind of mixed. You, you don't necessarily care. You guys saw the news about. You guys saw the news about Justice League and Zack Snyder, yeah? Yo, that's that's yeah. a, that's next on our news. So. That was? Yeah, that is. So we're gonna get. Give me a moment, and we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I guess from you, Miles, you're saying, eh, you don't care. M, you're saying no to this uh, reboot. For me, I'm interested. I'm not going to commit and say, yes, I'm excited. I'm interested in seeing what they'll take. One of the theories is that maybe they'll follow the actual video games because they haven't really done that with the Resident Evil franchise. Maybe they'll follow the story of that. And that would be maybe a, a, a new or at least a different take than what they've been taking in the in the, uh, in the the uh, Paul Anderson movies. So we'll see. I'm just curious. I'm just curious who they'll get to uh, rep- re- replace uh, Mila Jovovich's character. I don't know, but uh, hopefully some, so hopefully someone that uh, can uh, kick butt like she does. But. Maybe I would watch it if Wes Anderson did them. Oh yeah, and it's true he would be perfect for that as a as directing. But this other guy, he has some he has some directing chops, but you'll know, we'll see what happens. See what happens. Um, Em, you brought up uh, the fact that we got news that Josh Whedon was taking over the Justice League movie. Um, uh, Most most sadly, because uh, Zack Snyder had a death in his family, one of his daughters committed suicide. So our thoughts are with Zack Snyder tonight and his his family. And... um, it's totally it's it's a sad thing to uh, you know kind of step away because of a tragedy like that. His wife was helping him as a creative director on the movie as well, and to replace them, they brought in Joss Whedon. So, um, you brought this up. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on this? Well, you just said everything. <laughs> no, I, not not really. I, you, you, go ahead. And I posted it on our, on our Facebook page. Like, this is the, sec- the second time we're hearing about a death because of suicide in the last week. I mean, Chris Garden, who was music that I, I grew up with, really. And I loved, I kind of love that group. Um, but for Zach Snyder to lose someone, to lose his child, and for someone so young to, like, it, it was... It was, I noticed people very crassly were posting, like, oh, yay, well, now this movie will be better. Um, okay, that's, I get that, but he, he lost his kid. Yeah, and you, you don't say that. Suicide, to, to get to that point is very painful and dangerous and just a very hopeless situation. And you just, for the people that leave behind, it's just, it's, it's, it's unfathomable, and 
if, if anything, it, it makes me want to bring up the topic of, you know, there's, 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 there's always someone who's willing to listen, and there's always someone willing to support you, and, and it, you, everybody matters, everybody matters, and it, it just, it broke my heart, and in our world of sci-fi and nerdiness, we have a lot of introverts, we have a lot of people with, who are, you know, kind of live in their own little microcosms, and all I can, all I can do is just say to them, look, you don't have to talk to me or talk to any, just go to anybody, like, please don't ever, please, hell, you can talk to me, message me, I'm on Facebook, message me through the show, um, it's just, I'm much more open about my issues with my mental health, and, um, lately, and the more I talk about it, the more people talk about it with me, it helps me, like, deal with my issue, with my anxiety issues, and, um, so I'm just putting it out there, that, you need someone to talk to, I, I'll, I'll do my best, and I'll help you find somebody. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. It's it's very much in poor taste for people to be making those sorts of comments about the Justice League movie now that Joss Whedon has it. There's no doubt that, at least in my opinion, most of what Joss Whedon touches ends up being gold. Um, however, um, just to play devil's advocate here, the entire Justice League, minus a few scenes, have already been filmed. And what he's been brought on to do has been more the post-production of it more than anything. So it's not like he has a hand in a lot of the script. It's not like he has a hand in a lot of the filming of it. So he's kind of, you know, pinch-hitting to help wrap up this movie. And he's certainly the perfect so, guy. He's certainly the... Go ahead. Actually, he's... Um, they're, he's, he's helping... They're doing pickups, but they're also... There's some continuity that they want to fix. And so they brought, they asked Josh to kind of help write those, to even it out. And then when Zach made the final decision, you know, I, I, have to, I have to focus on me and my family. And his wife said the same thing. Josh was like, okay, I'll take on a bigger, I'll take on a bigger role in what, well, I'll do whatever you need to do. Like, I got you. So um, he, he has been brought in to do, to add like about, I think it's about 10 minutes. Of, of um and make some fixes so he may be involved in some of the editing as well yes that was my, that was my understanding as well so you know again the bulk of the film isn't done but it's it's neat to see him kind of stepping into pinch it and i don't know that um and i don't think that uh you know it's certainly good to have joss whedon back in the comic book role i mean we saw what he did with the marvel the marvel universe will be interesting to see what he does with justice league as well um but again, all that being said, in we want to we, we keep Zack Snyder and his family. And again, like just reiterating, if you're struggling and you you feel like there's not a lot of hope, there's people around to talk. And if you just uh, heck shoot us an email, message us on Facebook. If we can't be there for you, we're gonna find someone that can, and we we're certainly willing to listen if this is a big big deal. So, um, uh, Miles, uh, thoughts about this? Um, I appreciate what M had to say. Um, I, I can, and what you had to say, I echo what you both said. You all matter. Um, and the fact that the 
people are saying, well, no, now this movie will be better now that Joss Whedon's directed. You don't kick somebody when they're down. And Zach and Deborah are, are down at this time. This is a time to uplift them, love them, pray for them. What, what, you know, um, you know, I, I'm less concerned about Justice League than I'm more concerned about, you know, you know, this family lost a daughter, um, and I, that's just heartbreaking. And um, if, 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 you know, if you are thinking of of ending your life, don't. Um, like M said, you do matter, and um, reach out for help. Um, you, you may you may think you know you might be this might be a quick fix, but uh, everybody else has to pick up the pieces and, and from this. And I've had family who have uh, ended their life, and it, it it's traumatic. Um, but more importantly for you, if you if you think that you're in a place where you're considering that. Uh, get get the help that you need and know that you're loved and you do matter. And if you don't know how to get the help you need, please contact one of us. All right. Cause we'll, we'll, we'll help you. We'll help you. So if you're listening to the show and are in that place, um, let's move on. Um, we had uh, some trailers drop this past week and I'm going to play them and hopefully M you can hear them um, in your car, but we're going to play the first one we're going to play is this sort of the Star Trek Discovery, we finally have a trailer for it. And let's play it, and then let's talk about what we thought about this trailer, what we're looking forward to. Is it Does it you know restore our faith and hope uh, in Star Trek? And uh, maybe it was never lost to begin with. So let me go ahead and pull this up, and then we can uh, talk. Captain, where are we going? We have no map, and you can't set a course without a star. It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. Commander Burnham. I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. Tutor transport. Unifiers are few and far between, but they do come. Often such leaders will need a profound cause for their followers to rally around. What am I looking at? Object of unknown origin. We've come all this way, Captain. It would be irresponsible to leave whatever that is unknown. What have you done out there on the edge of Federation space? Computer, enable igniter. Signatures detected. Context outfit command. We have engaged the Klingons. You will never learn, Vulcan. Your tongue is too human. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save all of you. We target its neck, cut off its head. Starfleet doesn't fire first. We have to. My people were biologically determined for one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. 
All right, Miles, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your impressions of this when you first saw it? Sure. Um, my impressions, wow. I think that looks fantastic. I am I'm very excited for this new show. Um, I'm just, you know, uh, I, mean, I, 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 I like everything I've seen about it. Um, on the flip side, though, because we're Star Trek fans, there are Star Trek fans that uh, are looking at this and saying, are nitpicking it to death. And I, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm like, we're getting Star Trek to come back to TV some, this year. Uh, oh. but, but we're Star Trek fans, we nitpick, we nerd rage, we complain. Well, they, 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 they shouldn't. This looks awesome. Um, you know, visually... Looks phenomenal. I love the updates to the technology to the uh, ship. It reminds me a little bit of, there's a scene of them, the one lady going up an elevator reminds me of a scene from Spock in one of the, uh, one of the Kelvin universes uh, movies. And, um, but the look of it, it feels modern, feels fresh. This feels like Star Trek for a, a new age, for the new for a new generation. And so I'm excited about this. And the Klingons have ridges. You know, it's a, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, personally, I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to, for this show to come out. I mean, um, I mean, we, I th- there's some groundbreakers. We have a, um, now I think, the, it, although it's called Discovery, it's going to feature two ships, uh, the Discovery and the Shinzao, if I'm saying the, the, the second one correctly. But uh, um, we have a, we have Asian woman as a Starfleet captain. Um, we have African American woman as a first officer, and, and she's she she's the she's the lead. Um, and that's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, um, so uh, the, the Klingon. The, I mean, yeah, the makeup looks a little. I don't know how. To, I mean, they kind of look like from. The Kelvin timeline, but they they still have the head ridges. They look like Klingons. They just look a little right. more alien. I mean, right. bigger budget, bigger, better uh, makeup and prosthetic uh, techniques. Um, gee, when did this happen for? Oh, 1979, when they, in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, when we saw the, the, those Klingons with uh, ridges and um, everything. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I, I shouldn't even dwell on negative. I mean, we're. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's exciting, and I think it looks sharp. And uh, I'm hoping we get the good stories that are commenting on areas of society, like Star Trek often did. And uh, but at the same time, I'm hoping for some really fun adventure in the process. Some good character, you know, you know, inter, you know, the, the good character relationships. And so, I mean, this is what made some of the series that we fell in love with, Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. This is what made those shows for us. So. Well, yeah, I mean, originally, I believe it was only like 11 episodes, but now it's like 15 episodes. So, so that's good in, in a sense. So the, 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 um, the response to the trailer has been very positive. I mean, there's been some, there's vocal haters, always will be, but, but I it heard, has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, Larry Nemechek put a good post on, hey, this is great, we're getting Star Trek, and he he was acknowledging all the the complaining that people were doing, but he said, look, this is Star Trek, this is still good. 
You know, we're getting Star Trek yeah. back in this fall. So is it true we're going to have to pay to see it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. You'll have to subscribe to CBS uh, All Access. Yeah, and it'll be, uh, are they delivering the episodes all at once? The, I, I don't think so. I think we're going to have to wait, you know. So the real question is, drops. yeah, the real question is, are you going to watch them you know, just wait till they're all out, then watch them. Or are you going to like subscribe and just stay up to date on them? That's the real question. How much is CBS All Access? Is it like four ninety nine a month? Did I have that right or am I wrong? I think it's like six ninety nine a month. Okay. So if you're into the other CBS shows, I guess. But yeah, that that is that is a hitch in my plan. M. I'm not a. I, I miss. I'm you know I pay for another other subscriptions. I'm not sure that I really want to leap for another seven dollar subscription. Uh, but they, but this this video makes a very good, compelling reason to do so. Um, Emma, your thoughts on this trailer? I think given because I enough about the books and the story that I want this last season and I want to watch it as quickly as possible. Um, I already paid for Hulu. I already paid for Netflix. Um, there's nothing else on CBS I want to watch except for this show. So seven dollars I don't I don't know if it's seven dollars a month. It, it, I mean it breaks down to like four episodes a month. So if you're paying it's it's not inexpensive but it just I I, I need to see the first episode to, to make that decision. Well, you know, I, well, I, and I guess I guess if you want to be you know argue it, you know, two episodes is about length of movie, and think about what you pay to go see a movie. I mean, you're, I you, think the, you know, it's not it's it's, it's it's not it's not that much. Good. The first episode will be on CBS, the regular cable network. So I guess they'll try to entice you first, and then and then try to get you to subscribe. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Also, we'll be able to try it and without having to actually subscribe, so that's not bad. But, um, but the trailer is compelling, no doubt. Um, well, why don't we Definitely. move on? We got we had another thing. This ties in as more of a parody of the universe. This is the trailer for Orville. So let me play it, and then we'll talk about Orville on the flip side. Ed, have a seat. I have good news. There's a ship available, the USS Orville. Ever since I was a kid, I have wanted to serve on an exploratory vessel. You're nobody's first choice for this job, but we have 3,000 ships to staff, and we need captains. Can I have one of these mints? Those are marbles. We're giving you one last chance. I just want to say I am thrilled to be your new captain. I want this to be an efficient ship, but also one that you're glad to be serving on. Lieutenant Commander Bordas, your entire species is male, isn't it? That is correct, sir. Probably not a lot of arguments about leaving the toilet seat up and that kind of thing, right? Mocklands urinate only once per year. Really? That's, I mean, I'm, I'm up two, three times a night. <laughs> that is unfortunate. It is. Time to meet the locals. Hi, I'm Captain Ed Mercer. Holy crap! <laughs> we don't mean your family any harm. Well, we did just shoot his dad. Aside from shooting your dad, we don't mean your family any harm. Captain, there's a message coming in from Admiral Halsey. It says that an executive officer has become available. No. No, 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 no. Oh, crap. Sorry, man. You okay? Yeah, it's all good, man. You okay? Yeah, all good. Sorry. All right, no worries. 
The captain does not appear to be pleased at the arrival of his first officer. They were married. No way. You know how many times I tried to talk to you? You were hearing me, Subtle or you were around at all, but I did. I was the one who suggested couples counseling. The therapist was your brother-in-law. This should be a really fun trip for all of us. Perhaps we should not be talking about this. Oh, no, no, no. We're, t we're talking about this. This is a thing. You'll be delivering supplies to the science station on Epsilon 2. Thank you for coming. We need protection. Protection from what? The krill. We have figured out a way to manipulate the speed of events. So it's an anti-banana ray. It's really interesting. We need no longer fear the banana. Does it work on all fruit? What about salads? You do realize this could be used as a weapon. That's why you're here. What is the Captain Mercer? Just detected a krill destroyer entering orbit. Doors jammed. Alara. You want to open this jar of pickles for me? I loosened it for you. Return fire! Give me the device, or I will destroy your ship. Sorry, can you can you move like two steps to your right? It's just a lot of dead space there. Just perfect. Yeah, sorry, you were just very weirdly framed. What? What is that? Is that a beer? Yeah, I'm nervous, you know, it's a new ship. I want to make a good impression. It's 9.15 in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what, what do you think? It looks promising. It looks fun, and it's nice to see a parody show out there. And it's Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Uh, yes, and uh, Victor Garber plays the Admiral. Anything Victor Garber is in is usually good. Uh, it was a long trailer, but what is it? It's uh, it's coming to Fox, which means it'll last a couple se a couple episodes, and they'll cancel it, right? Oh well, Seth MacFarlane usually equals Fox, so that makes total sense. It yeah. sounds ridiculous, and uh, it sounds like I'll definitely be watching like one or two episodes. Yeah, to I see if I love it. Yeah, I agree with that. Now they just need to bring Summer Glau in yet, and then we'll be perfect. Hey. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I am definitely looking forward to uh, seeing more, and as we get closer to the time, hopefully getting some more, uh, you know, information on that. Um, I want to share uh, one more trailer yet, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Sam Whitmer inter interview that we're going to be uh, sharing here in just a little second here. Um, and, uh, and we'll do that. That was, of course, the interview we did at Farpoint. But uh, my understanding, do, well, uh, during Guardians of the Galaxy, they released or they talked about this trailer. So I want to share this tra trailer. This is Thor Ragnarok and their trailer, the trailer for it. you're thinking how did this happen well it's a long story Tell me. 
a contender. It's main event time. He's a friend from work. Oh, come on. All right, what's with the retro look of it? Yeah, I wondered about that too. It's very 80s. <laughs> like Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it harkens back to the comic books which is what Thor should have done a long time ago. Um, it looks like someone from the production staff of Guardians of the Galaxy because it's clever, it tells a story, it, it, it really delivers, and then that moment at the end, we've known each other for work! Just that, that beat of unexpected humor when you just yell, yeah! It's joyful. Um, I am... I am excited for Ragnarok because it looks dated, but comic book still looks classic. It looks like thought and energy was put into the story of Thor and that he matters again. And that makes me incredibly happy. I, I, I know, like, the first two movies just suck, but this one I'm really psyched for. Well, I'm going to take issue. I, I did enjoy the other two movies, Em, at least from my at least from my perspective. They they weren't terrible. This they all follow, and including this one, are following the animated cartoon series and probably the comic book series, which is kind of what the the cartoon series followed. I remember watching this story with my son. We were watching the Avengers, the animated. Uh, TV show and uh, and so this story of him you know being in here and fighting the hawk is is kind of built around that and so I'm excited about that I'm excited about it I'm excited to see Thor back in I'm excited to you know see them bringing in the other Avengers you know as they have been um, this is uh, the, the queen the lady that destroys um, Asgard what is her name again do you know Miles or M I don't know yeah, I can't remember, but, um, but you know, was, was there certain? Um, just to address your, either was there certain? There were certain Padme moments in the first movie, absolutely. But um, but I, to me, uh, it was just awesome to see Thor having his own movie. I I like seeing Thor as more of a as less of a comedic point. And more of a superhero. Because if you look how he's used, and also not used, um, in some of the Marvel films, he's, he's really portrayed as, like, just the muscle. And in the first film, and he is, until he comes to the realization of what's going on in his world, and how he has to behave, and, and, and all of that. It's, it's, it's important to me, because I like the character story so much, um, it's important to me because... You know, to see Asgard fall and and to watch 
you know, the uh, a realm of, of God, basically, just have to really deal with with what it's like to be a lesser being in their eyes, and um, I'd like that he's being a little bit more elevated as a badass instead of just, you know, a comic book. Like, even in the Avengers, not the Avengers, in um, the latest in America, which was kind of team-uppy, they, they, they even made a joke film about how nobody bothered calling Thor, and he had to, like, go hang out with his roommate. It's just, it's nice to see him taking a lot of it seriously. Right, right, right. Well, and right. I think one of the things that makes it a bit, uh, this trailer at least comes off of, is Thor is also always the guy that, you know, he's strong, you just don't mess with him type thing. And, and you know, what happens when, the, when his powers, you know, kind of meet their match. And that's kind of, uh, and you kind of see that here. And yes, you had that happen to some extent in the Avenger movies, but here we're seeing it happen in Asgard. And we got Loki back, and that's cool too. So, really excited as well about this movie. Em, I know you are. Miles, you excited about this movie? Oh, definitely. Um, it looks like it, it's going to be very, very entertaining. Um, and, and, you know, watch, and Thor and the Hulk go at it. You know, it's going to be fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's move into our last thing that we're going to talk about tonight. And and that is, we, we, we had a chance to sit down for a second time with Sam Witwer. Miles, do you want to tell us a little bit about how this how this happened? Well, we were at the uh, Farpoint convention. Uh, we had uh, talked with Sam Witwer, I think, orig- back in 2010. Um, it's been that long. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. But uh, it was fortuitous. Uh, he came back to uh, Farpoint this year. And uh, he's a part of our live, uh, our live podcast uh, at, at Farpoint. And um, I think if uh, he would have had more time, he would have uh, hung out with us a lot longer. We would have talked more sci-fi. He was, he was a lot of fun. He, he was. I, I appreciated that when I asked him, so was a Star Trek. His basic response was, "What up, us?" So, like, he's one of us, which is joyful. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, he, he was like. Uh, you asked him a question. You want to go? You want to go? And, uh, you know, he was just, he was ready to, you know, he would have talked for another 10, 15 minutes if we would have had the chance. We just, we didn't, we, we, went, we were out of respect for the con and uh, we've been invited back to 2018 far point already. So Zan's on top of things. So we are excited about that and um, looking forward to being a part of all that that is. So, uh, but but it was a good. It was good to sit down and chat with him. And Miles, at least Sam didn't spill, you know, coke all over you, right? Yes, he didn't drop my drink uh, on my lap. <laughs> yeah, um, like another guest did. But uh, yeah, that, that's all right. No, that's all right. No, no harm to Edvir for that. But um, learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, don't have soda near the microphones. But nope, <laughs> don't do that, folks. Yeah, um, and. Uh, so we did this. This was recorded live in front of a live audience in the atrium of the hotel that we were at. And so it was, we had a live audience kind of participating in it. And it was just nice to sit down and chat with 
Sam Witwer, who again, if you the name maybe doesn't ring a bell for you, he is the man behind um, the Emperor and Darth Maul in in the in the Rebels series. Am I correct in that, Miles M? You are correct, sir. Yeah. So, and of course, he was on. He was in uh, the Force Unleashed video games and Smallville and Being Human and many other sci-fi geek shows that he's been a part of. So, so yeah. Well, I think without further ado, let's go ahead and just share this interview with Sam Witwer, and then we'll come back at the end and we'll just wrap up the show. Lost. I am lost. And yet, I can feel his presence so close, so close. I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi. Kenobi! End here like this. No, no, absolutely. So, we jokingly said you're going to do this in the voice of the Emperor the entire time. The entire time, yeah. Sure. So, yeah, so, sure thing. No, 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 better painting. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. At least he's not spilling coke on Miles. Yes. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Appreciate having you back on the diner. It's been a couple years. What was it, 2010 you were here? Was it 2010? Probably pretty close. I believe it was 2010, yeah, we started last. Wow. The future. The year that we made contact. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That was the soon after you did the Force Unleashed, Starkiller. That would have been... Force Unleashed would have been before that. Soon yes. after I did Being Human. What was that? Being Human. Oh, being, yes, you were just starting. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Being I'm Human. I miss that yes. show so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not allowed to sit near you. I'm just, like, I'm, a, I'm not supposed to talk. Because everything you've been in, I've adored. Perhaps so. it's best we not talk about any of it. No, no, right. yeah. So let's so, talk about something yeah. else. So, uh, yeah. so how are weather. you? The weather. Yeah. The weather. Yeah. weather. Yeah. But, uh, you so you continued to work. Uh, in, a, in, in geekdom, I'm going to say, as a creator, and especially as us nerds, like all, all the sci-fi you've done, with especially your affiliation with Star Wars, and much, much more, once upon a time, you continue to work within the genre. And that's been very cool. Has that been an intentional decision on your part? Not necessarily intentional. It just sort of happens that way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, when it come, my theory is that if uh, one crew of sci-fi people do see it do something and they think you did an okay job they feel like they can trust you they really can trust because it's something you could do wrong you know you can get in there and just not have any idea of how to make something real in a fantastical type of setting and really make it feel like yourself so, yeah yeah you have some questions for so Star Wars continues to be a big part of your career many fans will recognize your likeness in Star Wars A Force Unleashed However, now you're voicing the, the Admin voice of the Emperor and Darth Maul in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, how did you get first? How did you first get into a voice acting? Really through Star Wars. Actually. Okay. My first um, my first voice acting gig was 
quite possibly Star Wars The Force Animation. And I wouldn't rate, I mean, what we did there was basically a motion capture shoot. So all of that was familiar to me because there was a camera and there were other actors and that's what I was used to doing. What I wasn't used to doing was just doing a disembodied voice uh, for, for the gameplay parts of the uh, game. And then also I wanted to do The Emperor because I somehow got it in my head that maybe I could do that. So that was, I would say that, that would, The Emperor stuff especially was like my first voice acting game. Hmm. So, yeah. And you continue to work in voice acting both in Rebels and, mm -hmm. and uh, you were in the Clone Wars as well, the animation. Clone Wars came about because of Star Wars The Force Unleashed and then Rebels came about because of Clone Wars. So, so it's just been... Yeah, natural progression. They don't let you go. It's <laughs> great. I, well, that, that's I, good. Very happy. Hey, about it that. gives you a paycheck, and it's yeah. great. That's awesome. Well, that's I'm awesome. a huge Star Wars geek as well. So yeah, absolutely. To continue to associate with those themes is now, really awesome. Now, do you watch the show? Yes, you do. Big time. Big time. So you're a fan of the franchise as well. Yeah, I was a fan of Rebels before I was on Rebels, oh, and cool. uh, uh, and I had just become a fan of the Clone Wars before I started working on. I, I wasn't always. When it first came out, I thought, hey, this is, this is well done. Hey, this is a show for kids. Right. And then I just watched it more, and then I watched as there was more there, and as the show uh, evolved. So when they finally asked me to be on it, I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited about that. Very good. They've really taken care with that, though. Like, the, the Star Wars as a franchise is so well-loved, and it's, it, it goes so deep within the books and the movies and the TV show. And then in the video games, and they've taken the narrative so much deeper. Like, I, I'll spend a good three or four hours on Battlefront every week. Oh, yeah. Love. So much fun. Um, but the fact that there's so much care taken in telling that story, to be a part of telling that story, to be... When they first came to you and said, hey, would you like to be part of this? Uh, what was the first reaction? When, when I first was hired for Force Unleashed, I mean, if this tells you anything, I, for two weeks straight, I heard John Williams' music in my head. Um, and I'm not even kidding you. Like, I just, it was nonstop blaring in my head. And uh, so that was, yeah, I was quite excited about it. And, um, and then the continuing work, I mean, there's, when I was asked to do Darth Maul, for example, I remember being very, very nervous that we were going to get slaughtered, that, you know, we didn't do something, I mean, we had to do something unexpected and strange. Because if you don't do that, it's not worth doing. But the more risk you take, the more risk you take it is at offending the fans. So I'm, um, I'm grateful that we survived that. I'm grateful that people liked it um, and that it's continued on into levels and all that. Um, but each, each time there's a sense of responsibility because people love this so much. So you don't want to ruin a character right. like Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah, especially when they bring him back. Yeah. I mean, it's a character that's supposedly dead. Well, you know what's funny is when they brought him back for Rebels, there was... Me and Dave didn't even need to discuss the fact that we were going to do something vastly different with him. And do, you know, show different sides of his character, but at this point we, we had a certain level of confidence. We were like, okay, we've, we've done some weird stuff with this guy, and people seem to uh, have responded very well. And so we felt, if, if Darth Maul seems looser or even more unpredictable this, in this iteration, you know, in, in Rebels, 
It's because we feel like we have the confidence and, and have been given license by the fans. So. That's awesome. So, so, do you still have the band? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, finishing up <laughs> album number two. It's like the, you know, after every 12 years, uh, right, I'll right. release an album. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's coming. It's, it's, this is also very weird. A lot stranger than the first album. Um, and, uh, and I'm getting, you know what's funny is I'm not getting help in terms of making it, but I'm getting help in terms of feedback. A lot more feedback than I got saying on the first album. First one, I was just kind of, just wanted to make some music, put some songs out, that would be funny. This one, um, this Crash Tones album is, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm literally going to people and saying, okay, I have a concern that's this and this. Tell me how you would make that different. Like, well, I'm not a musician. They're like, I don't care. That's why I want to hear your opinion. So I'm, I'm picking people that I know that have really advanced and interesting taste in music and then challenging them to challenge me. Uh, which has resulted in some really interesting stuff. I'm very happy, you know, like there's a friend of mine will say, well, I feel like this part is a little bit this, or this is a little bit dated, or this is a little bit that. And, and, uh, and I say, well, what if I do this and this? And like, oh, that's really weird and interesting. I haven't heard something like that before. So there, there are efforts being made. I, I really have no clue how people are going to respond to it when it's out. But the fact is, is it's, I'm almost ready to mix it. Um, and I will be mixing it Skywalker Sound, so that's fun. That's even better. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So if, if anyone is, is curious, the first Crash Stones album, you can hear it on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. Any any place where Amazon, you know, any place you can get music, they have. So the Crash Tones is the name of the project. Colorful the stereo is the name of the album. Yeah. And the next one we'll see. Wait, you don't know when it's gonna be out yet. What was that? You don't know when it's gonna be out yet? But I it's it's weird. It's weird. Okay. So this year maybe? It's it better be this year. <laughs> no, seriously, it better be this year. I, I've made a real effort because the thing is, the reason it's taken so long to do this is that work takes time. Oh, sure. Right. When they when you get hired for something, you go off to Canada. You can't really work on this. Right. Um, so I've made a real effort to try to make time to do this. To try to right. push it along, and uh, I am. Probably about a month out from mixing, and once it's mixed and mastered, I mean it's done. So, I, so we'll I don't want to say anything. We'll, 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 it'll be released this year. It'll, it'll be, be released this year. better, better. Yeah. It'll be released soon. Well, here's the thing. One of the things that I'm really excited about is releasing it on vinyl. So. Oh, cool. So that's um, it's going to take a little bit longer. It takes a little, a little bit longer to create vinyl discs than it does CDs, or to put something out digitally. Um, yeah. Very good. So, and CDs again, you know, it's like that's not really where people are buying their music these days. So it's digital, and I, you know, again, physical media I think is really, really cool. So yeah. I am going to burn out CDs. Um, if people want to hear, like, seriously, you guys are listening to stuff on Spotify, listening to stuff on iTunes. That's all compressed, guys. Right. It's not as good as it would sound if you heard it on a CD, and it's not as good as the sound if you heard it on a vinyl. It's a different type of sound. So I am really interested in the idea of putting it out on all three. You know, I think of them as three platforms. Final, yeah, they are three. Compact disc, maybe a track, cassette. People are actually making cassettes these days. Did you know that? No, I didn't either. But they're they're actually uh, a friend of mine just put out an album on cassette. He likes the sound of it. Oh, he likes the way it sounds. It has a certain nostalgia to it, at least. Well, I'll tell you something. The, 
about the set in vinyl is that you actually sit down to liberty and listen to music. That's uh, a difference. You know, these days we have a thousand songs in our pocket, you flip through, we're, on, we're in motion, we're not sitting down. Yeah, you can shuffle this and that. When you put a uh, vinyl disc on a record player, you sit down to listen to that record. And that's, that's what I'm crafting this album as. It's like something that you sit down and listen to. So, go ahead. Oh, well, it's funny because I, I've been on, in search of a, of a record player. But I have my old one, but it's Hobby Hobby, and they don't really make deals for it anymore. Oh, but I'm in search of, I've been in search of a good record player. And in the last six months, I'm finding that a lot more manufacturers are making record players that will play the record and I can hear it analog the way I enjoy it, the way yeah. I remember playing it for the longest time. So in my head, I'm keeping note of myself, okay, I can remember to order that. Sold Perfect. For me, if you put it on eight track, I would buy the crap out of that thing. <laughs> There's, <laughs> you know, what's funny is there was uh, a little bit of the music on this. Speaking of being new, um, was it was composed in the end of season four of being new. There was uh, the producers allowed me to fit a little bit of incidental music into the show. Um, so we were doing these episodes where it was like an alternate timeline. Did you ever see those? Yeah. Where and because it was an alternate thing, we shot it differently. We shot it more handheld. We shot the show a little bit more in a, in a raw fashion. So I asked the producers, "My kid, can we have a little bit of a different music thing? And can I compose some?" And they, again, that's a lot to ask, <laughs> right? But I did do some of it. And some of it is in the show, little pieces here and there, and. Uh, some of that stuff that they didn't use, I'm very thankful because that's in the Crash Downs album. So cool. Um, which I said to them, I'm like, you, you don't have to use any of this. The stuff that you don't use, I will use for myself. And so um, there were there was stuff that I wrote for certain specific scenes being human that they did not use. Maybe a little bit too risky for them. Uh, or for a show to even be comprehensible. Like, I want to give them credit for their taste. Um, but it works perfect. And a new Crash Towns album. Awesome. Really quick, you're in a genre where that we're all clearly fans of and, and nerding out about. What do you nerd out about? Like, what is the thing that you? What is your like? <laughs> the, the what's the linchpin that when someone says you know Star Trek is terrible that you would lose you would hulk out about? Oh uh, God, you, you, you're. I mean, name something. I mean, Star Trek and Star Wars. I'm very knowledgeable. Um, so if someone were just to comment about how Star Trek has become a little too commercial, it's just not, the new iteration is not fun, and it's, it's not targeting back to the original series. And but no one's seen the new iteration. But this, the new iteration is now. Like, the, the, so the, two, the three movies. Oh, those, okay. Yeah. All right. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. Mind you, I'm on the, I, I'm, I've drunk that Kool-Aid ages ago. So they, uh, well, here's the thing. The, the new movies... I think play a little bit fast and loose with the And for some people, they go, wow, I don't want to deal with the rules. Let's just do a cool story. I don't want to deal with the rules. And, and they have a point. The fact is, is that Star Trek relies on a consistent universe. And certain, certain things need to be agreed upon before you enter that game. What a transporter does and how it works, that's important. How fast warp drive is, that's important. You, know, you have to know these things so that you can create drama. You know, if these, because they're they sort of are like technology can do anything in those movies. And you're like, you know, Ron Burry didn't think that way. 
technology could do a lot, but it had limitations which created drama. You know? Transporter isn't working, or we're out of range, or the shields are up, or there's this, there's that. There's all, there were always problems. And the new movies don't seem to understand. <laughs> I'll put it to you. Okay, look, I'm going to say this and I'll leave it alone. <laughs> if you can beam from San Francisco to Kronos, <laughs> you don't need starships anymore. You're done with starships. You're done. Because not only have you you know, whipped the range barrier of the transport, which is an important limitation, but the transport beam itself travels at light speed. It is a beam. So not only have you whipped the range barrier of the transport, but you are now traveling, you're now sending a beam that goes faster than any, the fastest starship, the fastest, fastest transport, fastest subspace signal, any of that. It's faster than all of that because it's instantaneous. Start to scrap your ships, you're wasting your time. But with any kind of code or any kind of, any kind of beam, any kind of wavelength, you have a limitation to what you can communicate over that wavelength. So you've got the ship to carry all the things to one place. That's right. But you can't beam all the things to one place oh. because there's only so much bandwidth across them. So you still need the ships. You still need the ships. James. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, look, look, here's the, here, having said that, there's a lot in those movies that I like. There is a lot of those, in those movies that I like. There was so much stuff in the 2009 Star Trek that I was, like, delighted to see. Um, you know, I loved seeing Spock's background and seeing these little snippets of scenes that I've been imagining in my head my entire life and, and have them come out in, in that particular way. There's a lot there that's a lot. It's just, you have to be, that particular franchise, I mean, both Star Wars and Star Trek, you really have to go into it with a certain knowledge base. I mean, okay. God, I'm really going for it here, aren't I? We're going to need to schedule another one. Let's say Rogue One. Let's, say, let's, 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 compare, let's compare Rogue One to, say, one of the new Star Trek movies. Okay. Rogue One, you can tell, is being shepherded by people who are experts. Yes. That there isn't a move that they make in that movie that doesn't line up with the movies that happen afterward and the movies that happen before. Um, very, I mean, that was a movie that, that really protected the franchise, and while at the same time, Disney totally told yes. new. It was like a very different type of Star Wars movie, but everything that was in there, everything from Kyber Crystals to Saw Gerrera to the fact why they were using, you know, like for example, the, the Adats are getting blown up, their knees are getting shot out. And as soon as their knees were shot out, I remember thinking, oh, that's why it's a different model of that act. Because you're trying to set up in The Empire Strikes Back when Rogue Squadron is attacking uh, the Adats and Luke goes, that armor's too strong for blasters. It's, it's, an, uh, it's an oh crap moment. It's a oh, they've upped their game. They fixed that, that problem. You know, the new walkers are better they've than the They've taken care of That type of thing is throughout the entire movie. There's even like the damn chest board that they had. You're like, well, why, why is it a holographic chessboard? Oh, because in the next movie, that's when we have a whole shot of a holographic chess movie. So why would we have holographic chess in that movie if we had it in the one before? Let's do, you know what I mean? Like, they, little touches like that where you're like, oh, they were thinking about this stuff. Oh, that's intricate. Yes. Like, we have to schedule a whole new time with you. Yes. Because <laughs> we're out of time here. But thank you so much for joining us. It's great really talking to you. appreciate it. We'll chat with you a little bit later. Uh, later? It. Would you be willing to, would you wear the tiara for a photograph? Uh, sure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
See you soon, apprentice. <sighs> Look what has become of you. A rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I have come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, a desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. And what do you have? Why come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something? No. Protecting someone. Is it the Chosen One? He is. He will avenge us. Well, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Sam Witwer. Um, uh, he's always a fun and excellent guy to sit down and interview with. So, well, let's go ahead and begin to close the show out here. Em, any final thoughts as we kind of uh, move out of here? Um, no, I'm looking forward to our chat for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go see it again because I feel like I missed something. And... Uh, excited for June 2nd and Wonder Woman, but still cautious. And above all, um, I adore you guys, and you have always stood by me through everything that I've been going through over the last few years with stuff, and you make me feel like I matter, and I hope we make our listeners feel like they matter, and if, if you need to find uh, someone to hear you, you know, your your voice will not go, you, we won't lose your voice here, we want, we can definitely, I'm always available to help you research how to find a hand, or even if you just need to vent, um, it's a big deal for me, and, and it's important that, that we talk about it openly when we, when these things arrive, so, yeah. that's all. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much, Em. And I, ditto what you're saying there. And, um, you know, so we're going to record the Guardians of the Galaxy review next week. And then uh, we, we should probably, on the heels of that, just go ahead and record the uh, Wonder Woman review and be done with it. So, um, <laughs> because we're certainly going to go see that. Uh, uh, any other thoughts, uh, Miles, before we wrap up the show tonight? Uh, M. Good, good word. I, I agree 100% with you. Um, I, I can't wait to talk Guardians of the Galaxy with the both of you. Um, see what you both thought. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Well, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up the show. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you. See you, guys.